Hello and welcome to Bruin to Bruin. On this show, we sit down with accomplished members of the UCLA community. My name is Lauren Miller and I'm a podcast contributor at The Daily Bruin. Today, I'm interviewing a special guest. Ashley Liao. Ashley Liao is a recent graduate from the UCLA Communications Program and a former classmate of mine. Ashley Liao is an accomplished Taiwanese-American actress. She's worked with many big production studios such as Netflix, Lionsgate, Apple TV, Disney+, DreamWorks, and Amazon Studios. Her recent big project, The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, is out. Ashley, thank you so much for joining and welcome to the show. I'm so excited to speak with you today. I missed you so much in classes. Like it's so good to see you (laughs) and get you in the studio and we're really excited. So we're going to start off first question. So Ashley, reflecting on your early days on starting your career, what was your very first theater production? And following this question, what inspired you to pursue a career in acting? Yeah, I, you know, I started out acting by doing community musical theater. And it's really funny because my mom actually kind of forced me to audition. You know, some parents put their kids in gymnastics or like soccer because they have too much energy. My mom put me into theater because I was too dramatic. (laughs) And um, yeah, I I started out doing that and I did two productions. I was Violet and then Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And then I was Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. And I just, I really fell in love with the idea of like, after a certain point, it didn't feel like I had lines. It just felt like the right thing to say. And I really fell in love with just, the work that kind of goes into it and like the collaborative effort that um, like theater and like performing arts kind of gives you. Uh, I, I don't think I really knew that I wanted this to be my job until fairly recently. You know, this industry is so lucrative and, and volatile and, and I'm even now that's why I wanted to get like my education because, you know, you never know in this industry. So I don't think it was until maybe like 2020, 2019 that I really was like, yeah, this is something that I think I could do full time and be kind of good at um but yeah when I started this at 10 I I really didn't think that it would get this far so I I don't really know that I could say at 10 years old that I wanted to be an actress but I I knew that it's something that I wanted to at least give it my best at wow and quick question too so what were you um Dorothy were you starring in Dorothy and I was in the we did a production of the Wizard of Oz and I was Dorothy so it was it was like the most lines I've ever seen in my entire life And how were you good with memorization? Were you pretty good? Pretty good. Honestly, I think that was one of the big kickers for me where I was like, oh, wow, this is not as hard as I thought it was going to be in a good way. Like, I really enjoyed it. And memorizing lines is like kind of one of my favorite things now. Do you still keep in touch with like the cast from back then? No. Oh, my gosh. We all kind of went our separate ways. I think like it was I mean, I I know a few people still um, that were like my age that like I keep in contact with. But yeah, just like my small hometown, you know. And was it a local production that you were doing? Okay. Yeah, it was like Orange County, (laughs) my (laughs) small town kind of thing. Wow, that's awesome. So moving on from that, I have a question. So correct me if I'm wrong in the date, but it's 2015, I believe you were casted as Lola Wong. This is true. In the spinoff TV of the show Fuller House. And about how old were you when you were starting um, in the first season of Fuller House? I think I was 13 when I first started on Fuller House. I remember getting the audition like a week after my family and I got back from a trip and I was like really tan (laughs) is what I remember. I was like, oh my gosh, I like, I feel like I look totally different. Um, Yeah, I I got that audition and I I didn't even really know kind of how big Fuller House was going to be and what like a launching point it would be in my career. Um, 
Yeah, I, mean, I just had the best. I had the best time getting to work as a kid next to living legends like John Stamos. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, that's amazing. So, from that experience, um, as a childhood actress, how would you say that like, that shows impact your development into adult adulthood and really into your career? Oh my gosh, I, I think about this all the time. I have no idea, like the person that I would be if it wasn't for the fact that I've been in this industry longer than I haven't been. Like, I almost don't really remember anything from before it, kind of in a good way, bad way. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm so immensely grateful. I feel like my job and, and my profession has given me a lot of good skills to just use even outside of the entertainment industry. And so, yeah, that's why I decided to study communication here too. It kind of all ties into itself with a beautiful bow. Amazing. And then... Now, you were telling me that your parents, your mom kind of pushed you into acting, right? So would, would you say she's been very supportive of your acting career journey? And how has her presence in your life really influenced your career choices? Oh, my gosh. Uh, my parents are the most supportive people that I know. I, I genuinely don't think that I would have the opportunities if not for the fact that my mom was driving me to auditions and looking into what online high school was best for her daughter at 15 and, and stuff like that you know and so when I think about my job and, and my career and where I am today like I wouldn't be here without the sacrifices that my family has made most notably my grandma who would like pick up my brothers from school and when I had auditions and stuff like that and um yeah, my, my family's always been very, very supportive, which is surprising, you know, coming from like an Asian American kind of background and like a very medical family uh, for them to be like, no, you should go follow your dreams because that's why we persevered and why we struggled so much was to be able to give our kids opportunity. And so, yeah, no, I, I'm thankful to be able to have that opportunity because it's, it's taken me quite far. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. And now my next question that I have for you. So for in Hunger Games and including um, Love in Taipei, um, both of these projects, I remember you were telling me in class how they were filmed abroad. Yes. And you were saying how much you loved filming abroad and just exploring the new destinations. So what were, where was like your favorite location that you filmed abroad? And what was your favorite part of working abroad? I'm really lucky. I've gotten to travel quite a bit for work and gotten to know like Vancouver and Toronto and Taipei and Berlin very well because of it. Um, I really loved my time in Berlin. We filmed the Hunger Games, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes there. I was there for seven weeks and it was just, the weather was beautiful. You know, every single weekend we would go to like the farmer's markets and like the flea markets together as a cast. And it was just, I mean, you juxtapose that with the fact that like filming Love in Taipei, we had a lot of night shoots. And so you, you get there at 7 p.m. You don't really get out to like 7 a.m. And so there were days like that where like we'd get done at two o'clock in the morning and I'm like, all right, let's hit the club. So like, <laughs> I'm and, ready. And my mom is there too, by the way. You know, oh. my mom and I went clubbing in Taiwan. Oh that my woman gosh. can drink whiskey. I cannot is what I learned. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I, I can't believe, you know, how I've gotten to, to travel and being Taiwanese American, you know, getting to go back to Taiwan and like see my family during the peak of COVID lockdown. They're just like, what are you doing here? Right. And I'm like, this is my job. And they're like, <laughs> that's like a real thing. Like, you're not just saying, oh, you're an actress. Like you actually work I'm like yes so I'm, I'm immensely immensely grateful that you know my work has brought me back to my people and my heart and I just I'm so excited to see where it leads me next so you said your family is um, from Taipei correct my my dad's side of the family is Taiwanese. okay wow yeah. so were you were they able to come visit you on yeah. set no not on set not on we set. had a very strict I was getting COVID tested like three times a week gotcha. to the point where they're touching my literal brain 
fine. Uh, um, but yeah, I was able to see them like in between and in my off time. And I got to go down to like the south of Taiwan as well. And that was just, it was, it was a lovely time. Wow. Yeah. So you got to travel around the country. Yes. Yeah. It was, I mean, we went to different parts of Taiwan because we're filming in different parts as well. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I have family in the South, so I went down there to see family once I was done. So like after we got done filming, I was, I stayed for an extra two weeks, I think. Wow. So how long total were you there? You said seven weeks, if I'm correct? I was in Taiwan for, I think, two and a half months. Wow. Yeah. And you just stayed like all over the country. I mean, we were mostly in Taipei and then we filmed in a place called Damsui, I believe. Yeah, which is a little bit more coastal. And then like Kaohsiung, which is like down at the South, which is where my family's at. Mm -hmm. Um. Sorry, I'm going to phone call for my manager. It's no worries. <laughs> <laughs> Always You're, on the clock. Yes, exactly. So um, how many shooting locations did you guys go to in Love and Taipei? Oh, that's, we did a lot. I think a lot of the filming that we did, unless it was like indoors, was like actually on set. And so it was mm-hmm. the dead of winter from oh what I gosh. believe. And there's a lot of rain in right. this uh, film. And so I was soaking wet, you know. Actors always like, oh my gosh, like this is the hardest scene I've had to film and emotionally this is it. Like that's hard. But I think the hardest thing for me as an actor is not necessarily controlling my emotions, but when it's cold out, not shivering. Because it's like, how how do I combat what my body literally wants to do? Right. Um, so it's things like that where like when I'm cold, I think those are probably my hardest scenes to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wait, so like how like um, low was the temperature? It wasn't like freezing, but I was soaking wet, you know? Oh, yeah, I had to like yeah, stand yeah. under the rain machine for a minute to get soaking wet. And I'm just like, oh, man, I'm like on the floor. <laughs> it's wet. You know? You're like, I had to feel really uncomfortable. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just like, all right, this is this is my job. We're doing this for the next 12 hours, you guys. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Now, so moving on to the Hunger Games. So in your recent project, you play Clemencia. Yes. So what attracted you to the role? And did you experience any challenges while playing Clemencia? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the first thing that attracted me was obviously the fact that it's a part of the Hunger Games franchise. And I, I've been a fan of, you know, Francis Lawrence, our director's work for, for so long. I, I'm a firm believer that Catching Fire is one of the best movies ever made. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the audition hit my inbox and I was like, there's no way that they're going to be sorting through 5,000 girls and Jews little me um but no I I sent in my audition I got a call back on zoom where I got to meet our director Francis and um and then from there they called me and they're like hey you got the job and I was like what and so yeah next thing you know I was on a flight to London technically because I was doing reshoots for Love and Taipei so I I literally Mm -hmm. went from LAX to London stayed there for three days did reshoots and then flew out to Germany from there Oh my gosh. Yeah, so, was gone for a so this was while you were finishing up your project in Love and Taipei. Yes, yeah, so we did reshoots for Love and Taipei, not actually in Taipei, but mm-hmm. in Leeds in the UK. Right. England, if England, you will. British. Yes. Yeah, no, and you can't do that when you're there is what I've learned because no. everyone there has an accent and then they think like you're just being mean. Yes. I can't be like, "Oh, it's so funny." You know? Yeah. So it was it was quite a culture shock uh, in that sense. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So where, so were you in, so what were you doing in London exactly? So were you filming, um, 
Were you filming some new shots for like the Hunger Games? You said you had to meet the director. No, out so there. so I I was in London doing reshoots for Love and Type. K. Oh, okay, I yeah. See. So Ross and Chelsea and Nico, we all flew out there. We did reshoots for like three or four days, and then I immediately flew to Germany to film um, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Wow. Yeah. So it was like back to back. It was back to back. That's why I took a quarter off too, because I was like, I'm so busy, I can't do this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh Versus my goodness. Like, when I was actually filming Love and Type. Mm -hmm. um, I was still finishing up a class. And so it was actually, I believe, Professor Jim Newton's class that okay. I was finishing up. So I woke up at like two in the morning, <gasps> Taipei time, took oh. my final, oh my gosh. like submitted it, and then went back to sleep and woke up to work like the next day at like oh six my in the morning. Gosh. So yeah, it's definitely, you know, when people are like, how do you do it? I'm like, I don't know. It hasn't been that hard. It has. It, it has been. It has been quite difficult <laughs> when I think about it. You're like, I need a vacation hindsight. right yeah. now. <laughs> oh my goodness. So uh, my next question too: When you were playing Clemencia, how do you think Clemencia has influenced Ashley's personality traits? Ooh, you know, Clemencia is so much the same and so different from who I think I actually am mm -hmm. and also from like these other characters that I played um Clemencia is very confident she's very sure of herself and she's not afraid to necessarily be wrong if it means holding her pride and <laughs> stuff like that versus like ever and she's she's figuring out what she wants and she doesn't right. know and you know um but in terms of how Clemencia has kind of affected me I think that I've taken a lot of her confidence with me and that's something that I've kind of been working on especially now is like you know, how my identity as like an Asian American woman, like in this industry, you know, how can I be more confident? How can I bring some of Clemencia kind of into that? Yeah. Wow. And would you say that's been your favorite role you've played so far? I would say so. I just think that, you know, it, it, we had such grand sets and it was such a large, large film. I mean, it was a blockbuster film and it was made so like personal and intimate when I was working on it, when there were days when it was just Viola Davis and Tom and me mm -hmm. and our cast and crew. And um, yeah, I mean, this very larger than life film became so real on days like that where I'm just like, I can't, I can't believe that, you know, they chose me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Amazing. Now I want to talk a little bit I want you to talk a little bit about the UNFO Gala. The UNFO Gala. The UNFO yes. Gala. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to tell your little, your listener, our listeners about your experience attending that gala and about what the goals of that gala is and what type of activities does mm. the night consist of? Right. So the Unforgettable Gala or the UNFO Gala for short, um, we just celebrate, I believe, 20 years, 21 years of um, celebrating Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders uh, in business and the industry of entertainment and sports and um this is my second time attending um in December I believe last December and it's just honestly it feels like a big family reunion because I think when you're an Asian American Pacific Islander like in this industry it's a very small group of us and we're still really trying to pave the way and so it's it really is so phenomenal and incredible to get to be next to people like Sandra Oh and like Daniel Day Kim and people like that who are really trailblazed the way for like modern Asian American actors but when I think about like who really set the ground like I think of Anna Mae Wong who you know was one of the very first Asian American actresses in Hollywood and like what that means um, for me being this far along and uh, yeah it, it really is so fun we're, we're like eating the whole night <laughs> and it's I mean you name it they're there it's like Kia Kwan from everything ever once like walked past me and I was like oh, I don't usually wow. fangirl but I was like I love your work please never say die 
why, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I try to keep my cool at that event because everyone that I look up to is just in that room and there's such power there. And how was working with uh, Ross Butler? Oh my gosh, Ross is like the most incredible guy. He is always keeping busy. He's like, he was learning Arabic. Really? When we were there. And wow. Like, he's such an artist too. He was like doing charcoal, like, you know, drawings of like lotus flowers. He's just oh he's my so goodness. generous and really genuinely like, I'm, I'm so glad I got to work with him and like Nico as well. I'm like, oh my gosh, like two phenomenal phenomenal people and ever now has to choose between hawkeye one and hawkeye two i know and it's so hard for her i you know, know. It's it was a hard so life. hard for me um <laughs> but yeah i'm i'm so um, i saw ross you know at the unfo gala this year too and it was good to see him and chelsea as well yeah okay that's awesome so I would like to ask you this too. So how do you prepare for this gala? And is it common? Did you experience any anxiety before these events? And if so, how did you deal with it? Because I'm sure, you know, it's this is a lot. Like, how did you deal with it? You know, it's definitely gotten better over the years. I think that like my very first red carpet ever, there are still photos of it. I don't know who let me walk out the house like that at 13 <laughs> years old. Um, there's a photo on Getty Images of me at the Fuller House premiere. And that was my very first red carpet ever right didn't know how to pose didn't I think I'd thrown some mascara and was like oh, let's go let's do it some, and some <laughs> mascara and I was like let's do it um I'm wearing a dress that my grandma made like Aww. it was you know there are days like that uh-huh. where I'm just like wow like I look at how far I've come now compared to like the unfo gala where I had like styling and glam and like how to wake up at like noon for like a 7 p.m thing like it was just it was a whole it was a big whole day event but I I like to see kind of the progression of this little girl at 13 who like had dreams and didn't know how to pose or stand on a carpet versus, you know, the most recent photos of me on the internet where I'm like, Where you look beautiful. I'm like, oh, she looks kind of put together, you know? So, (laughs) yeah. Wow. So you start from 12 and what is it like consist of like the routine? I'm very, I'm curious. You know, so I usually wake up, I take a shower, blow dry my hair, brush my teeth. And then I'm usually on my way to my manager's place. So Mm -hmm. hair and makeup glam will all meet me there. And then the day before or two days before that, actually, I'm trying on different dresses to see which one I want to wear. And then we get it altered by my wonderful tailor. Um, T? Yes. Trey, Travis, Travis. Yes, my wonderful Taylor Travis, who uh, works with my stylist, Brian Meller. And um, yeah, we, you know, get hair and makeup done. I'm sipping on a Diet Coke and eating whatever I can before we get there. And then, you know, we get to the carpet. I meet my publicist there and we just, we walk and try not to (laughs) tense up too much. Have you ever like fallen? Because I feel like that would be my worst fears, like tripping or falling. Yeah, you know, it's horrible because Getty Images also has video now. Like people will video you walking down the carpet. Right, so they catch every single move. So if you look at videos of me walking down the Hunger Games red carpet, I'm wearing these like six inch red bottoms. Yeah, they were tall. long dress and I'm like trying not to trip. Um, So yeah, I've almost tripped before, but thank goodness um, none for real. <laughs> okay. You're, you're like, yeah. not yet. Cross yeah. fingers. Yeah, I <laughs> so I also was wondering too, Ashley. So w- last, so you graduated, you know, last quarter in the fall was your mm-hmm. last quarter here. And now you've officially graduated. So when you were a full-time UCLA student and actress, you were taking on a lot of responsibilities, <laughs> a lot. Yeah. So I was wondering, do you have any advice for UCLA students about how to manage their time? Like time management, balance, Ooh. Yeah, you know, for me, I find that, like, I like taking a shower first thing in the morning when I have something to do. It kind of wakes me up a little bit. Um, 
unfortunately, I probably don't have the most healthy study habits, to be honest with you. Like, maybe don't pull an all-nighter. How many all-nighters did you pull, be honest? Oh, my goodness. I don't even, I can't even count how many there were. But, you know, I just, that's just college. Like, my mom always told me, like, you're going to miss this when you're out. And I didn't really believe her. But I kind of miss, I miss learning and I miss, like, having to keep my brain active. So, Um, In terms of time management, um, I like to write out like a 24-hour day. Like I have a thing I'll print out that's like the day in 24 hours and I'll try to keep to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's how you know the issues really hit the fan because I'm like whipping out the 24-hour clock. How religiously do you follow that 24-hour plan? Pretty religiously. Like when I'm able to keep on top of my work and stuff. So I'll like write down all my readings I have to do and then write down the study guide. And I'm like, I need to start writing like page one of this paper that's due on Friday and stuff like that. Pretty religiously, I'd say. Yeah, it's it's done me pretty good. Mm -hmm. It's like the Bible. Yeah, it it literally (laughs) is Bible. The Bible, what keeps you going. So, Ashley, you thrived at a competitive institution, UCLA. I remember you had an incredible GPA. You were always on top of it. That 3.983 will be the end of me. Um, Yes. (laughs) But I was wondering, so, you know, since you thrived at a competitive institution like UCLA and in a competitive industry, what advice would you give to students navigating a competitive environment and want to stand out? I think one of the things that made me want to be better, both in my professional and educational life, was just applying it to like my actual life and making it really personal because I think it can get really overwhelming, especially in school, just be like, oh, I have this assignment that's due. But, you know, for me, I found that in my studies and communication, like so much of it tied into my actual work in entertainment as well as just wanting to be a better all communicator overall. Um, Yeah, I I think that in order to stay kind of motivated and um, stuff like that, we we can't compare ourselves to other people. I think Albert Camus is a great quote where he's like, you know, to be happy, we we must not be too concerned with others. And so I've kind of tried to stop looking at like what other (laughs) people are doing and like congratulating them on their success, of course, but just like, I don't know. I think I'm trying to focus more on me and like what I think makes me really original and what makes you, of course, really um, original and special. And I think that's really our strong points too. And also kindness. I think being kind gets you a lot further than anything else. And it sounds really cliche and stuff to say that. But I, I think for me and in my life, like being kind and genuinely kind has gotten me a lot further than being talented. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think a big point when you were saying too, is I feel like in this competitive environment, we have a tendency to compare ourselves. Mm-hmm to others, you know, and you're like, oh, should I, you're like trying to figure out, you know, how do I stand out? Mm -hmm. Should I follow the crowd? Should I do this? Should I do that? And it's hard, you know, it's almost like trying to, you know, trying to figure yourself out and, you know, what makes you stand out. Yeah. I mean, that's still something that like I'm doing now. Cause you know, when you're at school, like you're still only like in your twenties, you're like, I'm still figuring it out. Like I'm still figuring (laughs) out too. And I think that's like, something that's really good to be like honest about is like it may look like my life is completely together on social media because you know I am partially at fault for that for only posting the highlights of my life but you know behind the scenes my days are are difficult sometimes and I think one of the best things I did last year was get medicated for my anxiety and depression and just realizing that like being on medication doesn't make me different it doesn't make me weak it just helps me get through the day because like life shouldn't be a struggle is what I'm realizing right. this year is like it doesn't have to be a struggle even though I feel like I've been struggling for so long 
Um, yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know where the question is going with this, but <laughs> yeah, that's just kind of what my, my current brain has been thinking. Mm-hmm. And yeah. were you diagnosed last year, if you may, if I You know, ask? I wasn't even really diagnosed, to be honest with you. My mom's mm-hmm. a psychiatrist, so okay, gotcha. she was like, you, you need, you need this. And I was like, yes. She's like, it works for me. It'll work for you. I'm like, so I'm how not. was it like doing self, how did you do like manage um, your self-care routine and yeah. that, how did you balance that? You know, there are some days where I'm just so stressed. Like there there were days where I was working where I was just so burnt out and so tired. Like all I could do was just cry on my bathroom floor, like, you know, beyond compare. And it, it's horrible. Cause it's like this thing that I love so much demands so much of you at all times. It, you know, you have to be on and you have to be, you know, professional at all times. Like, you know, you're working 17 hour. I've worked 17 hour days before, you know, by the end of that, you're just like, I want to go home and cry. Right. You have to wake up and do it all again tomorrow. And so like, I love my job so much and it, I'm in such a privileged position to be able to say this, but like, it really is work at the end of the day. You know, I might only be working for three months, you know, on a movie, but like, it's, you know, 17, 12 hour days all day. Right. Plus with school. <laughs> Plus with school. And I was juggling that as well. That was, I remember was when lot. we were having lunch together and you're like I have to go I have a red carpet event I'm gonna miss this class let me know how it goes yes missing (laughs) class is great to go to like red carpet events right and make it all up later and you're like ah you're like oh dang it so would you say like so as far as now that you've graduated have you thought about continuing your education or what are your thoughts about that right now yeah you know I've always wanted to go to law school I, I don't really know what I would do with my with my you know constitutional law degree but it um it, it's something that like I think I've always wanted to do and so if, if there's time for it I'd love to be able to go to law school and get my JD but eh, I might just play a lawyer on television instead <laughs> might just be easier so what law school particularly like interests you oh I've always wanted to go to Stanford Law Stanford it's like, Law it yeah is, it's the pinnacle for me you know UCLA has a good law program too so you guys want to if you want to like you know hey admissions yeah, team hey guys. <laughs> I don't I know if my LSAT or my GRE but <laughs> I got good vibes and a good will to work I don't know if you're listening to this yeah, but so hey yeah <laughs> And then my next question for you is, so what big projects are you working on now or upcoming? Or if you're allowed to say, of course. You know, I am reading a lot of scripts. I am okay. auditioning. I've got meetings and things like that. It is unfortunately very slow right now. But that's um, good. I think, you know, yeah, you need to. <laughs> it's good to be able to have a bit of time off. But I also just miss it so much. Like, right. I'm so hungry to work and right. like ready to, I'm ready for them to ship me off somewhere else and right. have a new adventure for three months. Right. So, um, okay. So you're reading a few new scripts and, you know, I'm always working is the weird thing. Like I just got a phone call now from my manager. I'm like always on call. I'm like, I take phone calls. I take work phone calls at like one in the morning. Oh my goodness. It is intense. Yeah. And when was your first interview? Was it when you were 13 at Fuller House? Probably. I think my, my very first interview was probably like on that Fuller House carpet. I had no idea what to do or what to say, but I think we've come quite a long way since then. So how do you prep for questions? Have you ever had a question that someone's asked you that's just like completely thrown you off and you're like, "Ah." like, how do you respond to that? You know, I'm really thankful that we have things called media training where you sit down with a publicist and they kind of go through all the scenarios of like what questions could be asked and what kind of, you know, responses to give and things like that. I've been really lucky thus far and I don't think I've had to like quote unquote dance around a whole lot of questions. I think I've been very honest in my question answering in my career, which I'm thankful for. It's not always something that like, 
is my first thought. Uh, but I'm trying to be more like myself <laughs> nowadays. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the number one thing that I do when I get a question is like people ask and I just I immediately start thinking of like bullet points of, of notable moments or, you know, certain phrases that I've, I've kind of kept as like not like default answers. But there are definitely certain things where like, oh. I need to mention this and this and this. Yeah, my checklist. But honestly, too, like, since you've had the media training, like, how how long is it, like, the media training? Like, what do they make you, what are the different things that they make you do, like, you for know, practice? They'll do, like, a faux interview kind of situation. Okay. Like, they'll run through, like, hypothetical situations of, like, oh, you get asked this question, and some of them are, like, obviously very invasive and things like that, and just how, how to deal with that and let people have their privacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, because you've had that, I mean, you are such a wonderful, like, public speaker, especially in class. Because I think sometimes, too, it's so, like, sometimes I get, like, that where I'm like, oh, it can be anxious, Mm -hmm. like, speaking up in class. And I feel like you've done it so beautifully. I just sit in the front row, man. Like, I I can't see that well sometimes. It's not, I have glasses, but, like, my vision's not bad enough where I really need them. I'm just like, "Ah, I gotta sit in the front, so. So do you still keep in touch with any UCLA professors? Oh, like, most of them, them, actually, yeah. I, I email quite a few of them back and forth about just like what is going on in life and like what new articles I've read that they might find interesting. Cause I'm still always learning. Like I'm still using my UCLA database library and looking up. <laughs> How like, long do you get oh, access to that too? You know, I don't know. And I, you know, you think with the tuition we pay, it'd be forever. Um, but unfortunately I think they kick you off at some point. No, that database <laughs> is everything. I know, but you get a library card or something. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So what resources would you say for um, UCLA students that they have to use in order for them to help in their career journey? Yeah, I think that you recommend in terms of like formal resources, like meet with your counselor, obviously. I mean, as a transfer student, I didn't necessarily know going into it that there was a unit cap on, you know, Latin honors. And so I didn't find that out until literally I graduated and talked to the CAC and was like, they're like, you didn't hit the unit requirement. I'm like, with that GPA? And they're like, you didn't hit it. And I was like, so no Latin honors? And they're like, no Latin honors. And I was like, this sounds like discrimination. But, <laughs> um, you know, things like that. Like, definitely talk to your counselor. If you're a transfer student, make sure you know what you have to do in order to hit that. Because I'm tired of people not knowing stuff like that when it's broad information or not really broad information because you have to dig for it. Um, but in terms of like resources, I think your peers are your best resource and getting to know each other and not being afraid to like have bad ideas with each other. And, you know, especially in the comm department, like we're such a collaborative major, I think. And, um, yeah, that's really been my greatest strength is like, you know, this is how we met. So yeah, I know. Say hi to your classmates and, and make it genuine too. I think that, you know, professors try really hard to like encourage you to talk to your classmates, but just do it. I think that your world will become bigger. Your social network becomes bigger. And as a result, you you have more access to the world. No, absolutely. And as someone who's an incredible public speaker like you, and for someone who is, you know, who's in the UCLA, who's a UCLA student and is very shy, especially speaking up in class, mm-hmm. like what recommendations as far as public speaking yeah. would you recommend or a great help? You know, slowing down has been something that I've been trying to do. So, like, mm-hmm. hearing myself say what I want to say in my head before it comes out of my mouth is a really good one. Kind of just, like, replaying that scenario. Like, if you have a question, you're, like, waiting and waiting and waiting to, like, write it down for a second so that you don't forget it. And then when the professor comes to circle back for questions, don't be afraid to raise your hand and ask because I guarantee you, like, someone else definitely has that same question. 
Yeah. And if not, then you know what? At least you're getting your question answered. Why is that such a bad thing? Exactly. Exactly. And also too, to kind of to follow up with that question, what about approaching professors? Because I know a lot of students mm. are I've talked about this with my friends and they're like, I can't believe Lauren, you go to office hours and yeah. talk to them. It's really scary. Like a how do you have any tips of how to like ease that anxiety and just to be yeah. more personable and connect? Because you're so good at connecting oh, with people. Thank you. You know, on my very first days of class I always make sure to introduce myself to my professors whether it's before or after first and last name I thank them I tell them why I'm taking the class very briefly and then I leave and then you know I try to schedule my office hours before midterms just to be able to show face and like have them see that it's like I'm not just here because I need help but also because we are each other's greatest resources and yeah get ahead of it early and don't be afraid to to schedule office hours even if you don't necessarily have an academic question because I think that the connections that I've made with professors at UCLA are going to be ones that are going to last a lifetime. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for being here. I have missed you so much. It's like so good to see your face <laughs> and your smile, just your oh, presence. I really you. missed you. And I'm sure I know everyone else has missed you oh, in the classes. Everyone's sure. like, where's Ashley? I'm like, she left us. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Yes. Alrighty, <laughs> everyone. This is Bruin to Bruin. This is brought to you by the Daily Bruin Podcast. You can listen to this show and all Daily Bruin Podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And the audio and transcript is available at dailybruin.com. I'm Lauren Miller. Thank you for listening. And I'm Ashley Liao. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye-bye, everybody. (laughs)